0: Hey, it's, it's good to see you this morning. I know last week we weren't here. Matthew told you all the reason we weren't here is because Linda and I were celebrating our 39th anniversary and, and we, yay, yay. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was worth celebrating. Uh, we, we, we actually did a, a sabbatical, you know, it, it was for rest, uh, which mean, means I didn't let Linda fill the schedule. So if you, if you know Linda, she's got lots of energy, and, and we, we compliment each other real well because she has lots of energy and I have none, okay? So every once in a while getting away, if we, if we do nothing, that is, that is uh, something that I really, actually, it was, it was much needed. And so uh, we enjoyed that time. And so uh, I, I appreciate Matthew. Uh, I really feel like if I could find more ways of excuses for him to preach because Matthew does a good job. And I think, man, I, I, in, in the time I've known him, improvements and growing and, and things like that is what Matthew's been doing. So I hope, uh, hope you got a lot out. I think he did a great job with what he called difficult, right? He called that difficult last week, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, and yes, I, I, I think it was. It was. And, and I think he did a, a great job with that. Uh, he kept on saying, you know, when it comes to marriage and, and that Genesis 2, the, the creation of man and woman and bringing... The, and the, especially that, that phrase that says, the two becomes one flesh. We're talking about, we are talking about the uniting together of a man and woman, which we call marriage... And and so as he took that, he kept on referring to, "Oh, Ronnie's done it for thirty nine years. He would he would be should be the one who does this." But Matthew's doing a great job with Annie, I, I think, and I see. And if if it's that kind of thing, Bud and Charlotte, how many years married? Fifty eight. So, Bud, I'm going to go sit down, and. <laughs> Are, do you feel, 58 years of preparation, right? Uh, so if Matthew's thinking is, is by, uh, but, but honestly, I, I don't know how many years you are, this, this is key. Uh, this, this is a blessing to, to, you know, speaking to the design that God has. And God's design is, as Matthew had the opportunity to, to identify it or, or name it, uh, a beautiful creation, it, it, that's exactly what marriage is, and, and I'll say this at the beginning: I know that we have some single folks here, and some of those who who are uh, young yet and hasn't hasn't been married. But even if you're a teenager, uh, or or you know maybe looking forward to someday becoming married, I think there's good information in the scriptures that that you need to embrace and, and learn about God's design. That's our opportunity. Last week Matthew did a great job with that. And, and basically made this statement that, that you know real marriage identifies with God uh... marriage is is with God you know it, it's his creation it's his design and when we live our lives in pursuit of God it is only going to enhance and, and complete what marriage is meant to be uh, and so uh... uh the, the points that he brought out just to remind you if you weren't here Uh, Here's the points, uh, and and actually his second point he shared was that marriage with God means there's equality in that marriage, uh, there's loyalty, and there's intimacy. And he covered, I'm glad I don't have to do all those again because that's what Matthew covered. But in the equality, he said this, that that in, in marriage it is equal, but it is also distinct, or, or there's differences in that. I think it's important for us to say there's differences between a man and a woman, there's, and we need to hear it today, because society is going to say, oh, there's not that many, we could even interchange, and that's not right at all. Matter of fact, that absolutely thumbs its nose at God being the creator that he is, and the designer, and so uh, in scripture, we're not going to see that. I'm going to pick up where Matthew left off. He went into the Old Testament. I get to go into the New Testament. And I'm going to Ephesians chapter chapter 5 and 22 through 25. Eric, it would have been a good idea if I asked this question beforehand. Did did you do ESV or NIV? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I didn't know. I made the statement we're going to do this in March. Matthew did ESV last week, so you did ESV. So I'm prepared for ESV, so thank you. Uh, uh, the Bibles are here. Matthew, they're in front. If you don't have a Bible, let me just say, if you don't have a Bible, they're right there. And, and not just to use here, if, if, if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to take one home with you. And, and so we replaced a few from last week, so thank you for taking them. If you didn't have one, we want you to, to value that and, and, and read that. We want everybody to have one. All right, so Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 27. And you'll see where I get to wade. What, what, what takes place in here is, you know, matter of fact, I'm going to pick up where Matthew talked about equality. And Matthew said this statement, he, he said, we're equal, but there's a distinction between us. There's differences between us. And so I'm going to speak about the differences, actually differences in our roles. And you're, as I read this, you'll see the direction I'm taking, plus see the, the outline I have before you. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. Now as I read that, we really could go on through the rest of the chapter. But I want to focus attention upon the roles that are laid out in verses 22 through 27. God designed men and, man and, and woman to comp, to complement each other in marriage. When I, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk with Linda about, about sermon coming up and I, I laid out the, the title and she asked me, now is that compliment with an I or an E? Do you know what I'm talking about? Because when she asked me, I had no idea what she was talking about. I had to look it up. So compliment with an I is for me to say, you know, hey, I, I love your smile today. You're... You, You got a great smile, or I I love your hair. How you fixed it, you know that's a compliment. That's with an I. This with an E says that God created us in a way that that uh, with with the bringing on of woman in creation, it 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 completes it completes man, or or uh, it makes us better. That there is when when an item complements another, it enhances or strengthens. Does that make sense? So that's the direction and, and how God created us when we're together. Now, uh, again, equal yet different. So let's see the differences as it's laid out here in Ephesians 5, through 27. And in the end, hopefully, we'll come to that place we see God's great complement as he brings us together. Number one, you see it there in in the very first phrase on verse 22. God designed wives to, sum, to submit to their husbands. Verse 21, submit to one another. Paul's actual subject begins in the, pre, in the, in the earlier verse, the verse that comes before verse 21. There, after he's been talking throughout all of Ephesians, which I want to refer to a little bit later, he says to all of us, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's for all believers, that we're all to submit uh, to Christ. And then he goes to this focused uh, identification of wives. Wives, when it comes to submitting, you're to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Um, in, in verse, uh, no, excuse me. Uh, I, I want to go back and think about this order of creation as Matthew brought it up last week. And now it's there again in Genesis chapter 2. But, but in creation, man was created, and there, there was this period of time between man was created and, and woman was created, uh, if, you, if you read that. We, we know that there had to be some time in between because in between, man was given the responsibility to name animals. And, and so in that task, I can't see that lasting, you know, maybe a few hours uh, or, or, or even a day. I'm, I'm thinking at least days, if not weeks. Depends on, was, was this a rushed task? Or was it as he was going about, he'd run into an animal and he'd, he'd identify it. Maybe it was kind of a, a fun, it had to be a fun task for him. See a new animal, okay, I'm going to give a name to it. But anyway, the, the point is, is there was time between when man was created and woman was created. And in verse 8, here's what uh, God said. He said, it is not good that man should be alone. And it was found out in that period of time. He should not be alone. There's nothing that he identifies, nothing that he connects with. He said, I will make him a helper fit for him. I think think the way it's worded is important. King James Version says that a help meet. Or, or again, ESV says a helper fit for him. Uh, in, In some ways, I think about Batman and Robin. You know, the sidekick, how, how they, they, they kind of, that's, that's Ronnie's The I didn't get that out of a, a, a commentary or anything. That's the image that came to my mind. Um, it means someone who is suitable, suitable, or proper, or as our word is today, uh, it is, is it, they complement each other. Again, this is God's design and how it works. Now, this word submission, this word submission, many are offended by this word submission. Let's take this into the world. I thought about this, man. If I were to take this into where you work or, or into the school system or something like that and say, this is the way it ought to be, uh, I would be stoned. No doubt. I, I would be tossed out or, or humiliated or whatever else, but the world hey the world 's message is not this is for wives to submit but, but it, it is within the scriptures, so I think I want us to pay close attention to it this this submission and, and perhaps the reason it does is because uh, many many might think, well, it means someone who who is submissive is someone who is uh, passive or or is weak or someone who has a negative self image. Uh, they have they, you know they, they they have to give up their desires, their wants and, and or of control and, and, and any free will. It's it's someone who's just weak. And I don't believe that's what it is referring to. Submit literally means, uh, there's actually two words that come together in the translation. It, one, one word is to, uh, is, means under, the first part of the word means under, and to arrange. Together it means to arrange under. To arrange under. And, and that's, that's a, this idea is to submit you have to make a move. You have to come under that authority. In the Old Testament, that's what the children of Israel were to do, to be in relationship with God. They had to come under that law of the Old Testament. New Testament, we come under this, this reigning authority of Jesus. Right? And to that we say, woo-hoo. Right? Amen. The one who saved us, we have the opportunity. And that, and that go back to verse 21, that's what it calls us to do. You are to come under his submission. Under the authority of Jesus. I think about you who are military. Maybe you understand this so much better than anybody else. You know what it is to be submissive, right? I, I know you soldiers, you, uh, many times I get that message, hey, we are leaving, I got orders. And you leave. And, and you go to where, what? Wherever you want to go? <laughs> no, you go where you're told. My wife and I, 39 years, Linda has done this well. She hasn't done it perfectly, she will tell you. She had to, she had to learn. At times, uh, the guy she married uh, has been difficult to help her in, in what she is called to do. Uh, but along the line, I talked to her this morning, it is about learning. It is about learning what it means to play our roles in this, in this marriage. In order for us to pursue what Matthew presented last week in Genesis, to become one flesh. It takes effort. It takes work. And, it, and, it, and really, when you enter into it, you find out things about yourself you didn't know before. Here's what I did to my wife. I took her out of Texas and I brought her to Kansas. And I moved her into a trailer at Ree's Fruit Farm. And it was not a pretty trailer. One, one morning, we put a, a loaf of bread on the counter, and in the morning, it was gone because of the mice. And, you know, the fruit farm, lots of mice, and things like that. And she stayed with me at that house. You know, even after that, we tried to figure some ways to take care of some mice. Uh, from there, we moved to a... And, and this, this speaks volumes to, to, to how I love my wife. I moved her into a youth home where, for seven years... She cooked for a family of 14 breakfast, lunch, and dinner. For, for seven years, we did that. And I, I never really had a complaint out of my wife. She had difficult days there. Or we, I should say we had, we had difficult days. But she assisted and, in, in, you know, together we raised kids professionally. And, and uh, uh, those kids weren't always easy. <laughs> uh, and And she didn't go kicking and screaming to go live in a house with a bunch of other kids. And when she came to Junction City, she didn't actually, she was kind of elated to do that, you know, come back here, and we had our five kids, I mean our three kids, <laughs> three kids with us when we came here. and 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 Linda will tell you that she had to learn along the way. It was not perfect in our marriage. We weren't, when we gave our vows, I would tell you, that we were not one flesh just because of the promises we made to each other. It, didn't, it, it wasn't there. We found out that to attain what God said or has given to us, we were going to have to learn and, and, and go through difficulties. Can you believe that? We went through difficulties and trials. I remember stomping out of the house because I was angry with a conversation we had. And I had to go think about it for a while. Linda always knew exactly what to say. It drove me crazy. She'd always, she would always know. She always seemed like she knew exactly what to say. And I had to go dwell on it for two or three hours. And then I'd come back and I'd say, I'm sorry, you know, and, and, and make things right. <laughs> Figure out what our problem was. We'd always be able to talk through it. But what, and the question would come in this idea of submission, what, what if a husband is not a believer? What if a husband is not a believer or uh, I think this even is vice versa. Um, it, the verse says, now wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I believe that's your governing response to that. It's as the reason that you submit is, is because of you're under his lordship. You're directed by him. You're living for him. If your husband is leading into those places that goes contrary to that relationship with Christ, you'll have to deal with that. You'll have to, to work through that or, or, or be able to, to, to lay that out before him. Uh, but we are still called to submit. The verse in, that we actually went through the, here earlier was in 1 in Peter chapter 3, verses 1-2. 1 and 2. Here's how Peter puts this submission. He says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. They say, man, you live under that lordship of Christ in hopes of doing what? Of bringing them into faith. To bring them under that then understanding, that value of God's word for their own lives. Now the husbands. I actually did this. Sometimes I feel like it's, it's, it's uh, more comforting to do the husband first. Hey, look, this is the responsibility of the husband. Then do the wife. But the order that, that Paul puts it down is he deals with the wives first. And then he addresses the husbands. God's designed uh, husbands to lead. God has designed husbands to lead. He is the head. Verse 23 says it very clearly. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. The head, what does the head mean? Well, the head means he leads. And I I believe even better yet, what does that mean? That that the husband takes responsibility. Guys, how are you doing? I I think in this message... You know the the burden lays on on your shoulders. May, maybe it's because I'm a guy. I've talked with guys before, but I I've talked to several and said, man, you need to take the responsibility for your marriage, and and what's happening there. The husband. Now now here here's absolutely where where I believe the blessing of of knowing Jesus uh, becomes valuable, and and then. Even, even opening the door for us to see the beauty of what God has created, what God has designed. But the husband who follows Jesus is a benefit to his wife and to his family. The, the husband who, who follows after Jesus is a benefit uh, to his wife. Why do I say that? Because this, this, this message this morning... You know, it begins with difficult words. Wives well, submit to your husbands, but there are a lot of verses that that is laid out in Ephesians. Matter of fact, it lays out the the the, the salvation that we receive through Christ. It begins here. Hey, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's where you were. That's where you were. But now you're alive in Jesus. And then in Ephesians, Paul later out he, he begins to lay out what that means. Hey, you are you are a new creation, and and able to do good works. Hey, there's there's something different about someone in Jesus. They they don't look like the world anymore, and they're not full of the sinfulness and the brokenness of this world. Uh, matter of fact, uh, that we go to chapter five and in verses one and two, it says therefore. You, you know, here's what Paul says to those who are in Christ. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Man, we, we conduct ourselves in, uh, you know, as, as followers of God through Jesus Christ. We're different people. I, can I tell you 39 years and it has been wonderful. And I will blame Jesus all day long. I, I, I will, or I will give him credit, if that sounds better. The one way it sounds a little negative. But I will, I will every day say it is because of Jesus. I don't know where we would be if it weren't for Christ. I know there are times when my impatience or, or my, my self-centeredness or things like that could have really been harmful, and, and Linda could have a bitter heart because of the actions and the things that I could have brought to, but instead, and where there were those things earlier in our marriage, we, we had that place of communication because we knew the love and mercy and grace of Jesus, so when I, when I say this, the, 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 the statement also stands for wives, uh, the wife uh, who, who follows after Jesus is a benefit to her husband, It really goes both ways. But in speaking about husbands who are to lead, man, it is absolutely a benefit if you are loving Jesus and pursuing Christ. It'll make a difference in how you lead and how you love your wife. Our relationship to God through Jesus is the foundation for our leadership. Now, he is... uh, he is to love, that the husband is to love like Jesus loved. In verse 24, we don't want to miss this. Uh, no, 25, excuse me. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's the love that we're called to. Now, we've talked many times about different kinds of love. This is the ultimate love. The, the God kind of love. How he's loved us in that he gave himself for us. It's that agape love. It is a sacrificial love. That's the love that you you husbands are called to in loving your wife. I'm still in pursuit of perfecting that. I, I, I'm not at any kind of pinnacle of loving like God loves, and that's my wife. I love her tremendously, but I could tell her I could do better. But how about you? After... Yeah, yeah, okay, Bud's with me on that. Man, just, it is a continued pursuit of loving and changing and, and be, becoming the kind of man that she deserves or that God, I actually should say that God calls me to be, okay? Significance of this word love, is means it means that your spouse is not an object for your pleasure or your service. That's not who your spouse is. It's not your buddy-buddy. But your wife is one that is to be valued above everything else. That your wife is to be valued above everything else. That if if you are going to do some investing, guess what? It ought to be in your wife. It ought to be in her. Her benefit. That's exactly what Jesus did for the church. Uh, He went to the cross. It's laid out 26. That he sanctified her. He cleansed her by the washing with water of the word. Uh, in order for him to present this church in all of its splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without uh, without blemish that 's what Christ did with the church and that 's the example laid out for you as husbands. You see, I believe ladies that that your husband ought ought to be helping you to become the, the kind of person that that, that is there I mean sometimes it takes some bringing out you know the, the splendor of your love and your dedication and, and all the, 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 the creativity and everything within you I think it could come out but it comes out through the leadership of your husband through his encouragement through his strengthening, even through his direction that, that I believe that, that that could come out and needs to and needs to. My pursuit is to, is to love like Jesus. My pursuit is to love like Jesus. And to respect my wife. And to be honoring of her. And to be investing in her. Now here's, here's really a point I, I, I was looking forward to making this morning. And it's that third point. The beauty of God's design is hidden by sin. I, I don't know whether that's that's kind of an easy way to put it. It's hidden by sin. It's distorted by sin. This this uh, the beauty of God's design is perverted by sinfulness. Now, uh, what what makes there so much tension? And and like I said earlier, you know, it would be difficult to go out and speak this to the society around us because stones would be thrown. It is this is difficult to preach. It is difficult. I remember when I was maybe as young as as Matthew when he was preaching and I remember just concerned about even saying the words ladies you got to submit. You know, some preachers have let their wives come up and talk that part. That that's so much easier. I I actually entertained that idea. Linda, you come up here and talk about this part. That would make things so much better. But but why is there so much Tension in, in the message of, ladies, you need to submit, oh, men, you're leaders. The reason there's so much tension, it's not found in God's design. It's not there. It's not in how God created us. That, that's beautiful. The problem is found in humanity's sinfulness. The problem is found in, in our sinfulness, Uh, If I enter in and I'm not fulfilling that that role or pursuing that role through Christ, then what I have is self-centeredness. It's about my gluttony. It's about what I want. It's what I deserve. Why am I not getting this in my relationship? I become critical. I begin to condemn her or, or him. Either way, it goes either way. And all of a sudden, it is because of sinfulness and I, and I think it's been a continuous thing throughout the world. Marriage marriage has not had a good look at all in this world. And, 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 and people don't promote it and don't look at it. Matter of fact, it's easier to live together than it is to, to come under this covenant relationship with someone saying, Hey, till death do us part. Oh, but the, but the purpose of of saying that commitment is so that we the two could become one flesh it's that's the pursuit but over the years sin has absolutely tainted and broken and distorted and perverted what god has designed to be beautiful we see it we've been affected by it in our families, and our neighbors, and in, in, in all around us, we've been affected. We ought to be people who promote and talk about what God has done and what God is able to do. Provide, and, and producing homes with husbands who are leading, wives who are submitting, and both doing it in respect and love and consideration for each other. We, that's what we're, our pursuit ought to be. And guess what? Guess what? Through, through Jesus... God's design for marriage can be redeemed. It can be redeemed. It can be possible. Even in the, in the ugliness as you enter into the relationship, I said Linda and I had difficulties. We've gone through our troubles and our, and our, our trials. Uh, we've gone through things together, but we've gone through things where we're clashing and, and frustrated at each other. But through that, through that we have grown. Because we have this consistency of knowing Jesus. We know what mercy is. We know what forgiveness is. I've had to ask for that numerous times. Maybe she has asked for it a couple. But, but yeah. whatever. But anyway. <laughs> but, but the truth is, what Jesus has come to do. Man, that transformation that takes place in my life. He's out redeeming things in families and in relationships. And where there's hurts and difficulties, there's, there's a, a place where we could go and turn and, and find that redemption through Jesus Christ. Amen. I know, I know families who have, who have had to, to, to turn to Christ in, in the midst of crisis. And to trust him to rebuild and re-strengthen and and see newness brought into that relationship where actually we're pursuing Christ. I I, I want to close with a a quote from Mark Driscoll. I don't know, I know Mark Driscoll I had a falling out with his church and things, but his book had this quote that that was really significant. In there he said, Marriage is for our holiness before our happiness. Did you hear that? Marriage is for our holiness before our happiness. If you told me the day of my marriage that was, yeah, I was, I was all into the happiness at that point. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't marry Linda for holiness. I didn't. I didn't. I wish someone had, had kind of come and talked to me about that pursuit of holiness within my marriage. It would have been significant. Marriage is for our holiness before our happiness. Your spouse is for the most is for the most sanctifying and often frustrating relationship you will ever have. Isn't that right? The, the person who knows you the best, the person who knows your secrets and sees all the all the things about you is, is that that spouse that you're married to. And they see your true personality. You know, we, we're really good at putting masks on when we go places and out in public. But at home, man, we are real. And they know you. And all the difficulties, all the things that needs to change. He, he finishes with this. God will use our spouses to expose our selfishness and make us to be increasingly more humble servants like Jesus Christ. I love that. I, I see that. In my marriage, and I see that happening in other marriages to where, where God is working on me in my relationship with him because of who I chose to marry. Do you see that happening in your marriage? Do you see that happening in your marriage? It has that opportunity to, to raise it to levels that you cannot believe what God has done. And that marriage has that opportunity to be beautiful. And, 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 and wonderful as we play the roles that God has given to us. God designed men and women woman to, to complement each other in marriage. He has made us to complement, to strengthen, and to make us better people through our marriages. Wives, he designed to submit. Men, he, he designed us to lead And to lead through that love. We want that beauty of what God is designed to be seen. As Matt said last week. When we do it well. When we're living for God in our relationship. We have the opportunity to reveal God. We have the opportunity to glorify him. In how we conduct ourselves in our marriages. Let's let's pray. It's a good reason to go and pray before God. Father in heaven we praise you for your word. We praise you, Lord, for uh, how you lay out in your scriptures. Not just that salvation saves us and, and that's it, but Lord, it goes into those, those places, those, uh, those responsibilities in our life and reveals how, Lord, it changes not just us individually and every day, but those around us, uh, us within our marriage and within our family. Father, we're, we're challenged today to listen to what it is, not to turn away because of how difficult it is, but to embrace it. Father, to, to come before you and pray, Lord, what does this look like, what does this mean? It is not in harshness that men lead, but it is in love. It is in uh, that, that companionship and that, the, the consideration. It is not in, in under duress and, and difficulty that wives submit but it is in strength and and in that decision to place themselves uh, under under their husbands. Father, we each have that responsibility and that great place of coming under your leadership, under your lordship, and we praise you for that. Lord, we have that great opportunity because you uh, went to the cross on our behalf. You died for us. We have the opportunity to live and to love you in every day. God, strengthen us as we continue on from this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.